No matter what industry you're in, one thing is certain. You have direct competitors. And with all these options out there, it's tough for buyers to see how you stack up and where you're different, especially when they have to make sense of buzzwords and see through empty promises. Enter the comparison page, a big time love-hate relationship for product marketers. Should you spend time on them? How should you use them? Do buyers actually read them and believe them? So on today's episode, we're giving you an inside look at how we went about our metadata versus Sixth Sense comparison page, something that was really well-received by B2B marketers and something we're really proud of. Demand Gen U is officially in session. Let's do it. All right, Mark, we're gonna talk a little bit about competitor pages today and primarily focus on the one really good one that we've done with a Sixth Sense versus metadata. And uh, we'll focus on that, talk people through just some of the reasons for having these kinds of pages. Should you, shouldn't you, whether some of the things you wanna think about, how we approached it, why we think it turned out so well. We'll just go through that one and just give you all our inside, inside baseball. I'm honestly not nervous to record this episode at all from the content. I'm nervous because it's the first DGU episode that I'm recording with Invisalign in my mouth. I got Invisalign yesterday for the first, if you've had it before, Slack me or in the community or send me a DM because my teeth hurt and I forgot how to talk normally for the first half of yesterday. So we'll see. You're how doing this pretty goes. good. You're doing pretty good for one day in. I think that sounds pretty good. Yeah. Oh, what did you tell me on a call this morning? I was like, I don't know. What'd you say? Or, I don't know. I, the, no, the lisp came out and you're like, oh, what was that? And I was like, fuck you. <laughs> then I'd only do it once. I only do it once. No, Let's I do can't. My, uh, I don't even know. I need something like that. Like my bottom mm-hmm. teeth are, when you get older, they, you know what they say to you, which I don't get? The dentist says it's from gravity. And I'm like, if it's gravity, wouldn't they be why do they go sideways and shit? I'm like, gravity from, really? I, don't I could make up a better answer than that. I feel like, yeah, seriously. I should get it. Like I was telling you too, like, I go a full day talking, like today, all day of meetings. I'll end up today, like, raw on the inside of my mouth. So anyway, get Invisalign. It's okay. Yeah, uh, They're not sponsoring well, this, no, but sponsor, maybe they will. Actually. Yeah. yeah we, how did we wove that in so easily? Yeah, aiming on the back end. Nice. B2B marketers need Invisalign. Oh. <laughs> Oh boy. Cool. All right, let's jump. So let's start with talking about just like competitor pages in general and the need for them or why you would want to leverage a competitor page. And so, yeah, why don't you start us off there, Mark? Like why, Mm -hmm. what is, what's the need? Why do we need them? Yeah, I think it comes down to a couple of things. I think one, there are just too many options out there and I'll tee this up talking generally about software just as a whole. And then we'll get into the specifics of our own experience at metadata there's just too many options for people to buy out there and i think a lot of times they listen to all of these sales calls they probably sound the same for the most part they look at websites and depending on the industry that you're in the copy may sound the same and it's really hard for people to make sense of what exactly do you do what box can i put you in and how are you different and or better than the people who i'm considering you up against. And I think that's probably it in a nutshell. But I think also like if you think of think of the early days of us at Metadata when it was literally you and I and some Fiverr freelancers and everything else that we were using, we didn't really have the time at the moment to create a competitor page for anyone. So we were just like sending people to G2 comparison pages and you can't really get a sense of how metadata 
works compared to one of our competitors by a G2 comparison page. There's no context. No, no. And we actually, I think some of our first forays into these were just taking G2 content and slapping it on a page and just being like, hey, we got a competitor page. I think we even probably tried to do some paid search brand takeovers and send them to that page. It just didn't work. And yeah, no, I, the, we talk a lot about this sameness. We talk a lot about it because when we talk about category, when we talk about it's just because there's so many of these, so many tools out there, so many MarTech tools, even if you just get to that category. And yeah, like you said, we all sound the same. And the claim I even make is even MarTech companies in different MarTech categories still sound the same and they're doing completely different things. So imagine the two companies are actually doing the same thing and how much they sound the same. But the reality is even those companies where there's a lot of sameness, there's a ton of differentiation too. Like some people could look at two, like our website and let's call, and let's say we'll just stick with Sixth Sense. And there's certain pages where there'd be like, wow, they do exactly the same thing. But then when you really dig under the covers, there's so much nuance in there. And we do this a little bit differently. And for these companies, it's going to make so much more sense. And they do it this way. And for those companies, it's going to make more sense. Or if you're looking for this. And so, yeah, I think you can handle some of that in just normal content. But then when it really gets down to it, if there's one or two companies where, man, this is really sounding the same, that's, I think, where you can get benefit from having a competitor page. For sure. And then I think the other big thing is this. It's that if you're not having a dedicated comparison page for you against one of your competitors, there's a decent chance that your competitors are going to have one. And if they're going to have a comparison page, then they get to frame how people see the two of you. So yeah. it's yeah. almost, do you really want to leave that up to your competitor and they can reframe the conversation? Or do you want to go on the offense and frame how people should think of you too? Because if we'll get into the Sixth Sense uh, stuff here in a second, there's the list that came out. A lot of times they were going on the offense against us. And this yeah. was one of those times where we were like, enough is enough. Let's go on the offense here and let's get in front of this. And we'll talk more about how we did that later on in the episode. Yeah, it's a lot about, yeah, there's a big part about controlling the narrative because, but not in a way where, and hopefully you're not thinking this way as you're thinking about these, not in a way where you want to trick people. You don't want to trick anybody, of course, because at the end of the day, people are going to really find out. Um, but if you allow a competitor to, you don't know what they're thinking. So they may actually totally take the low road, right? They may take a low road and just beat you up on things that don't, aren't even real. And that's happened to us. We've gotten beat up on things that aren't even true. And so I think there's a big part of that. And not just with these, with a lot of things that we do in marketing, there is a first mover advantage that does give you a lot of benefit. And so this is one, though, where I think it's even more so. Anyway, I hope so. And then one last thing before we jump on the next part, and this is probably the easiest answer. If you're looking at a comparison page from your company to one of your competitors, that's a really high intent page that people are looking at. So if they're looking at alternatives and you are able to track that and using intent data and have first party intent, those are the people that you want to start doing outbound to and get in front of because they're already looking at alternatives to you and they are probably in buy mode. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, you're right. Very high intent page. And so if you don't have it on your page, you're just missing out on some high intent. You're just looking at your pricing page. Like, oh, everybody at the pricing page must have high intent. And there's a lot of these other ones as well. Like even our one around six reasons not to buy him. There's other pages that like those and competitor pages that are all really good intent pages. Cool. Okay. Let's set, let's talk a little bit about how a lot of marketers and a lot of the pages like this that we've seen, how they go, they can tend to go wrong. 
And there's some pretty obvious ones and maybe some not so obvious ones as well. So we'll start with the obvious one. I think um, going like low road, maybe we'll talk about the low road. So I think that's where some go wrong is they just go right for a jugular and and it just doesn't work. Like we're not we're not I don't even know an analogy like we're not promoting a boxing match. I don't know. It's <laughs> I don't even know. It doesn't, I think it's more of a street fight. But yeah, yeah. And if you think about it, I don't know, we just put ourselves in the shoes of what a reader might think. And just like in life and everything else, if you go straight for the negative, it can probably be seen as defensiveness or like you are actually scared about them. And so you're going that direction. But I don't know. What do you think about that? Um, I've got a good example before I actually answer that question. So one of the tools that we use, and I'm not going to say which tool, uh, and we're very happy of using said tool, I and probably you are getting targeted with ads that are competitor ads by their big incumbent competitor. And it comes across as one, it's it goes right at the jugular in a really negative way. It just looks bad. Like it, like that's the route that you're trying to take. Like you're focusing on them and you're not focusing on you. Like they're well aware that these ads are being run against them and they're laughing internally and it just leaves a bad taste in people's mouth. I digress. They're just all over my LinkedIn feed right now and I, I think I saw one yesterday. <laughs> so I think the other big thing is the fact that when you go like directly at a competitor, usually what happens is people tend to focus on features and functionality and you then get lost in a features and functionality war. And for, let's just, use six cents as the example, they have way more money in the bank than we do. They have more people than we do. If we are trying to compete on a features and functionality war with them, like we've already lost, like they will get to those things faster than we probably can. So for us, it's not about like features and functionality. That's the very easy way to com create competitor comparison pages. But it's also the thing that's like the most easy to quickly catch up to if there's a gap in features and functionality. So Yes, we talk about features and functionality on the page, but it's not the emphasis on the page either. No. And there's even nuances in features and functionality, right? So like in how you word it, and do I do that or do they do that or do they not do that? I don't know, based on how you left out one word and now they do it. And so you can still, even with the features and functionality, like still not be very clear to people and still leave people... And this is where you start to say they don't do this and they do this. And sometimes you're, you might be wrong. And just in terms of going negative, the way I like to think about it too is these aren't evil companies. Like we're not in like Dr. Doofenshmirtz or did I just say that right? <laughs> that was awesome. I don't even remember what show that was from. My kids watched it, but we're not like this evil genius. They're like, they're not this evil genius that's over there plotting your demise. And hopefully not. God, I hope not. I hope that's not the world we live in. And so there's good people over there trying to do their job and they're trying to make a dollar and trying to grow their company. And there's good things about the company. It's not like, and you don't compete with them. Like they're not a staunch competitor if they're just like way down here and you're way up here. So you're, there's a lot more similarities than you probably want to believe. Even though they're, I had some emotional feelings about Sixth Sense just because, you know, they've done some, I would consider like shadier things. But at the same time, I know that's a couple people over there. I know a lot of Sixth Sense people. I like them. I know that they're good people. And, and it's, it's a competition. Oh, it's a competition. It's not like a, it's not winner take all, the other one dies. And so it's a competition. And so we want to be 
in the spirit of competition. I don't know. That's just how I think about it too. And I think, you know, think about Sixth Sense, think about your direct competitors. They're a direct competitor for a reason. Clearly, they've had some success to get to the point that they are right now. So there has to be some good going on over at your direct competitor or else they wouldn't be in the position that they're in right now. So to take the road where you're just going to bash them and only bash them, again, it looks bad, but they're there for a reason. Like they have to be doing something good there or else they wouldn't. Exactly. And you want to give respect to the buyers, right? Like buyers are buying them and let's respect the buyers. There must be something there that they're getting value from or else they would churn, right? Like the, the proof is in the behavior. And so if a company like Sixth Sense is still growing and growing rapidly, like they're doing something right. That's when we have to get in and start to figure out, okay, where is there those differences? Where can we highlight those? And where can we just say, and this is leading to where we went, let's actually call the good stuff. And then let's call the differences, the differences so that it's a more balanced view as well. And we're not just focused on all the differences or what we might consider negative things. Yep. And then I think the last thing that I'd mention, and it's one of those things that if you are caught in the LinkedIn echo chamber, you can't ignore this right now, but everyone says, talk to your customers. And I think a lot of it truly is lip service at the end of the day. I don't, I think it's very popular to recommend that. I don't know how many people are actually making a point to talk to customers, but where a lot of product marketers go wrong in like a comparison page environment is they just don't actually talk to customers and they think that they know best here. When in reality, like one of the keys to this page in general, and we'll get into it here in a bit, we talk to customers, like they know it better than you do. And if you can start to put it in their words and use their perspective to frame the conversation, one, it's going to work better. And two, it's way more believable at the end of the day, because it's not just coming from your mouth. Yeah, that cab meeting we had, <laughs> that's, that's, if that's what you're thinking about alluding to. Are we talking about that later? So I shouldn't mention it now. It's our podcast. We can do whatever we want. Yeah. Yeah. I'll just say, since we're talking about talking to customers. We had a cab meeting where we just put the put it in the air. Like, and truth be told, I think at least a third, maybe more of our customers have Sixth Sense and use metadata. So we're not like we're not and, and some of our best competitor or sorry, best or two are mutual Sixth Sense yeah. metadata customers. Yep. Just and, a disclaimer, so everybody knows. Yeah, and we never ask them like drop Sixth Sense because we know there's stuff Sixth Sense does that we don't do. And so like we're, we talk about marrying the two, but we just opened it up in a cab meeting. We're like, hey. We're just trying to figure out this comparison page. We want to take the high road. We want to tell them what they're good at and just be very clear. And man, <laughs> I'm not going to go. They were very vocal. And I just wished we could use everything that they said because it gave us a lot of content and it helped steer the direction, I think, of that page. Like how much of that call do you think helped either solidify the direction we took or pushed us in that direction? I hesitate because there were... I know what you're thinking of right now. There was one soundbite that I wish we could have recorded and just put on the landing page and that would have sold everyone who visited that page. We couldn't use that. But I think what really helped coming out of that cab meeting was the validation from mutual customers that we really are different tools that are used for different reasons. Yes. And I think we always talk about perceived competitors in the market and we use air quotes because we're put in this box with other companies. Therefore, prospects assume that we do the same things. They don't realize that truly until they get on a demo. And we've probably got a zillion clips of this in Gong where somebody's like, oh, this actually is different, or this is way different than what I was expecting to hear, or wow, I can see why you guys do this, something to that extent. So I think really it was the validation of, 
hey, we definitely need to do this to reframe the conversation because mutual customers truly think we're different at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. I literally wanted to take that entire call and I was trying to think of ways like, can I mask their voice, mask their voice, not show the people, not sit anything, but just let this conversation go. Like, no, we can't do that. Like a was- National Geographic, like drug war show or something <laughs> where they're like morphing the, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, trying to think of ways, how can we use this? But no, it ended up really steering us in a good direction. And, but we also had other things that we were, you, this was mostly you, by the way, just mm-hmm. and that's kind of why I'm interviewing Mark, but Mark did a lot of this, most of this work. Where did you look for inspiration? Like when we started talking about doing this. I remember a post either I replied to or something and Mm -hmm. people were talking about competitor pages. You were, you always have a nice swipe file of things that, that inspire you. So like, how did you, Mm -hmm. how'd you come about like getting to the point where like, all right, we're going to take this direct. Yeah. I think there were a couple of things that really inspired me at the end of the day. So two people in particular, Jason Oakley over at Clue and then Andy McCotter Bicknell from, he's now at ClickUp. He used to be at ZoomInfo. They are big in the competitive intelligence space. So they, after following them for a while, they just got me to think about, you know, what should we do? How should we go about it? What are the things to think of? How should we frame this up? And it just got ideas, let's say, started. Now, I didn't know exactly how we wanted to go about this just after following on, the, on LinkedIn, but it was very helpful to at least get some good building blocks to use. Now, the most, I guess, Maybe the best thing that I saw was, and it's been updated over the years since Drift has rebranded. And I think this page is probably at this point, six-ish years old, maybe Mm -hmm. older. They had an original Drift versus Intercom comparison page. And the thing that I loved there, and it's what we copied, good marketers copy, truthfully, they gave a shout out to Intercom within the first couple sentences of the page and they gave them props for what intercom was good at. And if you look at a lot of competitor competitor pages, pretty much every one of them, maybe a few, they don't do that. So right off the bat, that's already different in itself. And I think as a reader, you're already like, oh, this isn't just a a bashing page. Like they actually want to give them a shout out for something. Like that went a, a long way for me. And I knew that's what we wanted to do on this uh, six cents page, because at the end of the day, six cents has great intent data. Like yeah. we're not trying to yeah. play in that space and we are intent data agnostic, but give them credit where credit's due. Yeah, no, and I, that was so important, I think, because yeah, you're right. As a marketer, if you, or is anybody, you land on a page and you just see all bashing, but the proof points you have in your head say otherwise, you're not going to believe it. It's immediately, oh, okay, I can't trust it. It's not a tr- Now it's not a trusted resource. Your page immediately becomes not a trusted resource. And then it's just, it might as well not even have it. And so I think every single competitor page should nod very clearly to what that competitor is good at and where they're even better than you in some areas or do things you don't even do or won't do. So important because otherwise I just, I don't see how you get, you have to still build trust you still have to build that even authority, right? With the content as well. And if you just have negativity, people are going to be like, okay, I see my friend over there is using it. He says good things about it. So I'm immediately now in this conflict and I'm not going to believe you. So yeah, it's really important. And that was something I want. And I was, I struggle a little bit because I do tend to get a competitive mindset and then I can get emotional <laughs> in areas about like when it comes to competition. So, and I'm sure I've said some things in calls and things like that and been very like vocal, but so 
it's kind of, it can be a little hard, but it's just so much better. It's fun to be competitive on one side, but you want to be really truthful and transparent and believable. So I was really so happy with this is funny. I was not prepared to do this while we're recording, but I just did a quick Google search of Drift versus Intercom. They changed the page, so that intro is gone now, and that was one of the reasons oh, no. why I liked it. So it's so not even there. You I, can't even see it anymore. Oh, interesting. The, the, okay. the page is there, but the nod yeah. to, I, I think they even said oh. real, recognize real, or something like that. Intercom yeah, yeah, yeah. is the yada yada. Yeah, I don't even see it here. Oh, no. Um, oh, no. Oh, shame on you, Drift, <laughs> but yeah, we can take credit for it now. Yeah, we took, yeah, we took inspiration from y'all. Cool. Was there anything that you didn't like or anything else that you saw in some of these examples that you brought over to our page? Yeah, I think the other thing, and we'll get into this here, I think probably next after I word vomit a little bit, it's the notion of, hey, this is how we think you see these two tools right now. But after you read the end of this page, we're going to show you that these two tools should be seen in a different light. So again, it's that reframing of the conversation of we know you're coming into this page, reading this with some preconceived notions on how to see us versus Sixth Sense. But yep. after reading this page, we're going to show you that those aren't true. And this is how you should see the two tools. So I wanted to make sure that that came through throughout. And based on who we talked to and internally and externally, I'm very proud and confident that it came through that way. Yeah. Cool. All right. Let's talk about how we executed this thing. So we always like to give the playbook. So let's start with who we talked to internally and maybe even a little bit of the actually even above that. How did we pick? Six cents as the one because there's mm -hmm. a couple of other players in the ABM space that we could have picked as well. But why mm -hmm. did we pick? Why do we pick six? Yeah, I think it was it's a funny answer. You'd probably know the data side of it, but I know based on competitors mentioned in open deals that we have at the time of us creating this, I think they were the most like frequently run up against customer or sorry competitor in open deals that we had. So there was some data behind it. And then anecdotally, just in talking with our sales directors and the AE, we knew from gong recordings and whatnot that it just kept coming up. And we talked to a few of them that really helped give us inputs to build the outline for this page, but they needed something that wasn't just their talk track on a call to defend metadata versus six cents. So we started to talk with them and just get our thoughts together. But we also needed like a lead behind for people who are evaluating metadata and Sixth Sense at the same time. Let's say they're talking to KY on call and KY gives his spiel for a couple minutes. Great, that works in the moment. But then if I'm a, a director of demand gen and my boss is, I heard we should go with Sixth Sense, you're then relying on that director of demand gen to remember the exact spiel that KY gave. That's never going to happen. So we knew that we needed to have something with more detail to give to prospects so that they could one, refer back to it. And then two, share it up the food. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember like I'd get, I was getting pinged by our head of CS and even sales and they were just like, Hey, customers, prospects, they, they feel like they have to decide between the two. And we know internally, like it's not really a decision unless you only have a certain amount of budget. But even then it's, then you're deciding what's a priority is my intent data a priority or is getting better at advertising to those customers a priority. And so I remember them telling us, and like you said, we heard from the gong recordings as well. People really were just, they even internally in their companies, they were thinking they had to make a decision between the two because they felt like they did the same, we did the same thing. And then also just, we knew that 
Sixth Sense was saying things about us that just were flat out untrue. And so we wanted to make sure we had the ability to, and the other competitors in the ABM space weren't doing that. So we just, we wanted to focus on there. And like you said, they were the highest volume for sure out of all of those. Cool. Let's see, where did we start? So yeah, let's go back to where we started. So we knew we were going to do a Sixth Sense. We want to do a comparison page. And honestly, that page was just as much for customers, honestly, for us, same time as prospects too. And so yeah, that how'd you get started? Yeah. So I think what we did, and we, it was a learning lesson for us, but I think we had the original outline that was put together. There was just too much that was trying to be accomplished on this page. It was not only trying to show how people see six cents in metadata, how we're different, our methodology, like all this stuff. And if you remember that original Google doc, I want to say that the Google doc alone with just text and breaks was somewhere in the nine to 11 page range in Google Docs. And <laughs> yeah, like I had this light bulb moment because we had a bunch of people who had hands in there. It was like not any one person's fault. It was just a lot of people trying to get something done at the same time. And I had a moment where I was like, guys, what are we doing here? This is nine or 10 pages in a Google Doc. If we put this on a page, like you're going to be sitting there reading it for 20 minutes. Like you're never going to get through it. So what we tried to do was we took that outline, we took the main points and really just cut it down completely and then started talking with some of our shared mutual customers. And I think there were a few people that really helped. And I want to give him a shout out here. Evan Dunn at Sincari, first and foremost, like he was super instrumental helping us get our thoughts together and really how we see ourselves differently and how the market should. And then Tim Davidson over at Directive and Sarah McConnell from qualified. So we had some really good conversations with them and just got their input. And again, it wasn't trying to bash Sixth Sense. It was just, how do you see us differently? What are the reasons you use Sixth Sense for? What are the reasons you use metadata for? And I think it wasn't really until those conversations that like we really, really got our shit together. And from there, it was actually fairly quick at the end. But I think it took us a while to get our shit together. Yeah. And I remember that because, because <clears throat> I, all of us internally, had these ideas of what Sixth Sense did, but we weren't fully sure. Like nobody really knew because we didn't do any secret shopping and we didn't send any friends out to go get demos or anything like that. We, it was just like, we don't know, but we want to make sure it's accurate. Like, the last thing we want to do is again, do what a lot of people do, just make these false statements because they think they know it, they don't really know it and it sounds better. And that's really, I think, where those customers, mutual customers, and these guys like Sixth Sense too. They use it, but they were very, like you said, just really helped us make sure that we were clear about the two platforms you know, and their features and functionality. So we didn't undersell, oversell, not be truthful or honest. And that was really helpful. And that, I think for me, and it was an extension of that cab meeting. It was like the cab meeting we had. And then we had, I think this later, that's when it really, for me, started to come together. And it's like, oh, we have a story here. This is now we know, we're confident that we know the differences. We have proof points from customer, mutual customers. And so I remember, remember that time frame. I was like, oh, this is really starting to come together. Yeah. And then I think the other big thing, and it's funny because I remember being like, oh God, Jason's going to ask me to do this. I'm already trying to write the landing page right now. Like I got to do this too. You, I don't know if you remember this, you really pushed me to get three brand new, unique testimonials for this page mm. so that it wasn't just generic. Oh, I use metadata to automate my paid campaigns. It was, here's how three people firmly in our ICP who know both tools well, this is how they see them differently. And I think that was one of those cheat codes pretty much for this page because we could have had everything as is on the page today without the social proof. But like the second that you get 
somebody respectable who knows the space and knows both tools to put it in your own words. Like that's when it does the marketing for us. Yeah, totally. Yep. So getting the customers in there and and again, not bashing Sixth Sense, like not bashing them at all. Just this is how I, this matter of fact, this is how I use it. This is how I use the two together and differently. And so, yeah, I like that part as well. Let's see, what else do we get here? Oh yeah, so then once you've got the, then you got to put it together in a page that's going to also be attractive and and also showcase our brand and that kind of thing. So how did that part? Yes, we'll have to do, I don't know why we never did this. We'll have to do another episode to talk about brand 2.0 and kind of what we're rolling out now. But this was really the first time that we started to unveil this. Cliff Notes, or I guess a very brief answer is, we did a custom photo shoot in March earlier this year with Algert, our creative agency, and scripted the whole thing to support the narrative that we rolled out and then really to personify the metadata brand with a unique character, if you will, almost like a flow from Progressive or Mayhem from Allstate. And we had this footage, this imagery, we had this vision, and this was really the first time that we had ever started to roll this out. So once we had the, uh, the landing page outlined there, I was chopping at the bit to start working on this with Algert because this was the first page that like really popped from a design perspective. And uh, it's not to say that you could have a shitty outline and bad copy and really good design and it would have been received in the same way. But I think when you have a really strong message and bold design like that, I think that definitely helps stop people in their tracks and be like, wow, this is, I haven't seen something like this before. Yeah, no, it's a, it's, the page is fun too. So it's not like this negative, ah, ogre like, page. And so it's fun too. And so you get there and that's, that's, I think part of it as well is keep it light. Yes, you're competing and yes, they might, they might be eating your lunch, who knows. But, but again, just think about it from your prospects perspective. What are they going to want to see and keep it? Yeah. Keep it fun and high design. There's still room for that. It doesn't have to be a bunch of Mm -hmm. like side by side columns with checkbox here and no checkbox. We have that, but the design compliments it. And I've got it up here. And it was one of those things that we said in the copy, but then once you paired it up with design, it was like, this is awesome. Everyone sees until they know better metadata and Sixth Sense as an apples to apples comparison. And in reality, it's an apples to oranges comparison. So if you yeah. look at this page and we'll link to it in the summary write up. We literally have a, an apple and an orange on the page to reinforce Very that clear. It's, yeah. it's not an apples to apples comparison. Like we do with all of our thing, like our design and kind of the brand 2.0, we're trying to have some fun with it and trying to stand out. And I remember Gil, after he saw this, and we'll get into a funny Gil story here in a sec. Um, we were, I was trying to get approval to do more of this stuff. And I was like, Gil, what do you think of this page? He's like, this is awesome. And I was like, can I do more of this? And he was like, yes. I was like, all right, well, I'm going to keep doing more. And we haven't looked back since. Yeah. Anything else on the process? Or then we can talk a little bit about how it's worked so far and some of the... No, I think we're probably good there. Cool. Yeah. So yeah, how has it been received? Let's talk a little bit about that, I can say. Yep. Um, I think, again, it's a lot of qualitative indicators, which you need when doing something like this at first, because you don't really know... If it's working, is it not working? I don't know if you remember this, but I was really blown away at once we announced this page, we had people posting about it on LinkedIn. And for me, it was like, when's the last time that you saw B2B marketers posting about a comparison page? Like, it's like the, it's the least like cool thing. Like you can promote. It's not like a flashy event. It's not like a flashy piece of content download. It's not some original research. Like it's a comparison page at the end of the day. Seeing people who fit our ICP shouted out on LinkedIn was awesome. That was one of the initial things. I was like, okay, we might be onto something here. I think 
also listening to gong recordings when we would hear prospects bring up that they had saw it and they liked the, the copy and the design and that pat on the back is great, but it was also the, oh, I get it now. Like, I, I understand this, like this was helpful. And I think that was the, the positive reinforcement that we needed, not just, hey, you use cool words or it looked cool. And then this was probably one of the coolest things. And I was looking at this probably a few weeks after we launched this. And I think we launched this probably, I want to say it was like August. I could be wrong, but it, it feels somewhere around there. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I'll check. So a couple of weeks after that, and then I checked this week building the outline out. Um, G2 went heavy on SEO over the years. And they pretty much own, like in, at least in the MarTech space and probably most categories, every competitor versus competitor search. Yep. And when I looked the other day, we rank using this page above G2 for metadata six cents and two variations of metadata versus six cents. Yeah. And for yeah. me, from Gil as a quant at the end of the day, everything's got to be quantifiable to show that we are placing in the number one ranking over G2, who has a enormous domain authority and just site index like that was unbelievable. Yeah, I was super stoked about that because that's usually a bar on those kinds of pages. Like you can get second to G2 and you're like, okay, cool. Like I've done the job here because you're right. They basically have the market on X versus Y in the MarTech space or X alternatives or X competitors. Like usually we'll see G2. So when I first saw that and it was very quick, like you said, we've only had this page live for five, five months, maybe at the most. And within the first couple of months, it was like very clear. And so that was really a good sign. And then the latest, like, Fun feedback, and this is the fun Gil story, is we actually have business relations. We have some business relationships with Sixth Sense. I don't, I'm not super clear with them or what they are, but with our acquisition of Reactful recently, they had a very specific relationship with Sixth Sense. So Gil was getting on the phone as part of that relationship and talking through, oh, what are we doing? Are we still partnering up? And the Sixth Sense team basically came out and was talking about this page <laughs> and just the fact that, but I don't remember exactly what he said. They said, maybe you remember, but just the fact that it came up and that it might've helped us in the conversations a little bit was like, for me, I was like, oh, that's awesome. I'm going to paraphrase here. I doubt that Gil is listening to this, so we're probably not going to get in trouble, but I don't want to get myself in Nobody's trouble. Saying. So I, yeah, don't, yeah, we're saying this, but don't repeat this. <laughs> You're uh, in the tent. I think we've mentioned this on earlier episodes, but Gil uses WhatsApp. And the only reason that Jason has WhatsApp on his phone and the only reason that I have WhatsApp on my phone is to WhatsApp with Gil. So whenever you hear that little WhatsApp ding, you always know something is up, good or bad. And this was one of those times where it was good and you got a WhatsApp from him. I don't know if it was during the meeting or if it was right after or what. And he more or less said, he was like, good job on this page. They're pissed. Like this ruffled some feathers. <laughs> that was a general sentiment. Yeah. And Gil's a, he's a bulldog at the end of the day. He's a fighter. And like, he looked at that as, yes, we are nipping on their heels. We are, I don't even know how much smaller we are than them, but like they are a little, let's say feisty about this page. And we took that as a compliment. So that was pretty cool to hear it from Gil. Cause nobody like said any, it was wrong. That was the, yeah. you guys, this is so wrong. It was just concern. It struck a chord. Yeah. yeah. Just concern about it, which I love. Yeah. And like all CEOs, the praise and positive reinforcement doesn't come as frequently as maybe you need it to, but that was one of those times where I was like, all right, we did something good here. That's awesome that he recognized it. And I think he was definitely proud of the output too. So that was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. It was nice. It was nice. So do we plan on doing others, other competitor pages? I don't even, we haven't really talked much about that. 
Yeah, we probably should talk about it during the next sprint planning meeting. But yeah, I think what we're trying to do is we are trying to, and we're, we're doing it live, Bill O'Reilly style. We'll probably do one of these for what we're going to be rolling out from a PLG motion. I'm being a little cryptic here intentionally because oh, yeah. the world doesn't know about that yet, or at least the B2B marketing world. And I think we will oh, yeah. probably follow a very similar format to this too, because there's a lot of bad product marketing out there just in general, and then definitely in the MarTech space. And it's very hard for B2B marketers to make sense of the bad product marketing. I don't think we're going to do this for every single one of our competitors, at least right now, maybe in time. But I think there's one or two that come to mind that probably will knock out over the next couple of months. And I think the good news is the fact that we went through this process with the Sixth Sense page is awesome because I don't think it's going to take nearly as long as this one did because this one did take a few months. But I feel like we've got a good at least layout from these are the points that you need to hit on the page. This is how you present it. And again, it really just comes down to talking with customers and seeing how they see the world and putting pen to paper. I don't want to say it'll be done next week, but we can probably <laughs> knock it out a little bit faster. Nice. Awesome. Cool. That's, that's the episode on competitor pages, y'all. Thanks for listening again. And thanks for uh, loyalty. You get a chance, give us a little rating on the podcast platform of your choice. And we'll, I'm just like blowing out today. We'll see you <laughs> next time. <laughs> and keep posting your Spotify wraps. It's pretty cool to see this in the uh, the podcast section of those. And this is our first year doing the podcast. We're almost 50 episodes in. I think this was episode 48. So if you were to tell me at the beginning of this year that we would end up with, I think we're just pushing 20,000 downloads for the year in our first year, and we would appear in people's Spotify raps, I would tell you that you're out of your mind. So I'm excited what's to come. That was cool. All right. Thanks, everybody. Have a good one. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Demand Gen U. If you want to hear more, make sure to subscribe to get future episodes. You can also submit a specific topic you want us to talk about by DMing us on LinkedIn. If you like the show or want to share feedback, please leave us a review. It'll help us keep improving and get the word out to other marketers just like you. This podcast is brought to you by Metadata, the first demand generation platform that launches paid campaigns that self-optimize to revenue. If you're looking for a tool that makes it easier for you to build audiences, launch paid campaigns, and experiment at scale, you'll love Metadata. B2B marketers at Zoom, Okta, and ThoughtSpot use Metadata to automate the time-consuming parts of running paid campaigns so they can focus on the things that matter.